0: Welcome to Automating the Chain, the weekly podcast and webinar specifically engineered to support and educate executives as they explore the potential of industrial automation. Each week, we sit down with an executive leader or their technical counterpart of an international organization to discuss how they plan to leverage industrial automation to advance their business. We will also have startups focused on automating the supply chain explain their technology in an accessible way. Experts in the field will color in historical and current case studies. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Hi Trevor, thank you so much for coming on Automating the Chain. I know you're dialing in from the US where it looks a lot warmer than it is here. Uh, so let's start off with an introduction to you, You're the founding CEO of Voodoo Robotics, which, by the way, I had to ask you, why is it called, uh, well, I'm sure everyone wants to know why is it called Voodoo Robotics. It's a bit catchy, (laughs) but perhaps you can start off by telling us a little bit about who you are, how you started the company, also more about why, uh, what are you guys doing at Voodoo Robotics?
1: Certainly. Thanks for having me, T. I really appreciate being on your show. And as you said, my name is Trevor Blumenau. I'm the founder of Voodoo Robotics. My background is, you know, trained in engineering. My, I have a graduate degree in robotics from Berkeley. And, you know, I had a uh, couple of startups before this one. And, uh, you know, started Voodoo Robotics now. Like you asked about the name. It's an interesting story about the name. We, It's got nothing to do with religion or anything like that. But, you know, we were sitting around the table. When we, were found, when, when we started the company and we're trying to think of a good name for a company and started looking at some of the company names out there like, you know, Yahoo and Google and Amazon. And there were a lot of vowels in those names. So we, we decided we had to come up with a name that had a lot of vowels in it. And so we, we came up with the word, word voodoo and it's actually been very, very successful for us. So a lot of people, you know, recognize the name now. We're trying to build a very good brand and, and, and show everybody that we're a great company. And, uh, you know, building a brand behind a name like Voodoo, is a, a good thing.
0: Well, you certainly have done your part to differentiate yourself. So let's, you, your business, let's get to what Voodoo Robotics actually does. Because yeah. I clearly the name is catchy. You want to click on because you pop this beautiful squirrel on your logo. but what do you guys actually do in a nutshell?
1: So we are focused on warehouses and manufacturing, and our principal product, as you see behind me here, is what some people might call a picture light product, but we actually call it a cloud display device. What we've really done is we built a platform. We built a platform that you can really adapt to a, a lot of different functions, and a lot of our customers use our devices for light or light. They're very easy to uh, install and to integrate with existing uh, systems, whether you have a warehouse management system, warehouse control system, or a ERP. There are a lot of different ways in which you can interact with our devices and paint them with the display that you want. This is an example of our new modern device. You can see it's got a button here, Uh, You can actually see it from down the aisle, you know, if you're looking uh, down the aisle. And you can really paint whatever text you want on the display, including barcodes, arrows, QR codes. You can have up to five lines of text on these devices. And you can actually use them in in two different different modes. One is you can just put static information on there. Or you can actually use it like a pick-to-light device where you can actually make it light up for the picker. And it does two things for the picker. One, it shows him where to go, so it speeds up his pick. And then it also improves the accuracy because he knows that he's getting the right item off the shelf. So speed and accuracy in a warehouse or a manufacturing environment is really our focus. And that's really what our product is designed to address. And of course, the first thing everybody says is, oh God, why did you make it wireless? Why did you put batteries in there? You know, now I'm going to have to change batteries in my warehouse. Well, you can see here that it runs on two AAA batteries, Mm -hmm. and these batteries last for years. It really depends on your usage. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we have some customers, I think they've forgotten that the device actually run on batteries at this point. So they really last a very, very long time, particularly because we're using an e-ink display. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know much about e-ink, but basically you can turn the thing off and it still holds the display. In fact, I can do that right now for you. You've got a display over here, and I'm gonna pull the batteries out of the display at the bottom over here. And you can see it still has the display on there. It's like magic, these things, great technology. That's been really our goal as a company is to bring modern technologies into the warehouse space that are you know, sort of in bite-size increments that Companies can adopt without having to replace their whole warehouse management system or you know revolutionize their whole process or anything. These are additive products that you can add to the to your processes that'll speed them up, as I said, or you know improve your efficiency. One of the things I, I mentioned, I, I'm not sure if you if you know, but in running a warehouse, statistics show that fifty five percent of your costs, In a typical warehouse is in the labor wages you pay to the people that are looking for products in your warehouse. So, you know, that you spend a lot of time trying to find things in a warehouse and you're you're paying money for that uh, job of finding things.
0: Well, let's take that as an example. Uh, If you give a theoretical example of what your customers actually turn to you for. So if you can give a... I don't know a particular use case. You don't have to mention the client's name, but you can tell us why they turn to you and yeah. what are the challenges they face. You mentioned 55% of their labor costs is going towards someone walking around looking for a product. So yeah. how does your product, the to product, really uh, add value there?
1: Yeah. So I, I'd say that the most... I'll do two scenarios for you. So our most common customer is actually a put to light customer where they have carts that their pickers are wheeling around in the warehouse so Mm -hmm. instead of going and running around and picking one order at a time they'll pick multiple orders at a time you know part of the problem in these warehouses now is that everybody's trying to compete with amazon and amazon has shrunk the margins dramatically in the industry. A lot of companies are shifting to this sort of direct-to-consumer model. Mm -hmm. And so instead of shipping pallets of things, they're shipping eaches of things. And so a lot of their orders are onesies, twosies, threesies, you know, where you really want to pick multiple orders at the same time. So what they'll do is they'll just take a a regular cart that, you know, an off-the-shelf cart that they buy on Wayfair or something like that, not anything special, and they take our devices – And because they're wireless, they're very easy to attach to the carts, no big deal. These devices, you know, you can put, let's say, 10 of them on a cart, or maybe you even want to attach these devices to the totes themselves that you're going to put on the cart to hold an order. And then you can put, for example, the order number on here on the display. Maybe you want to put the shipping time when the order is due or the carrier name that the order is going out on. A lot of things like that that you can put on these devices. And then what happens is, as the picker moves through the warehouse, mm-hmm. uh, the picker can you know, wheel up their cart to a specific location. And when they get to that location, they'll use a scan gun, for example, and scan the location, at which time the devices on the cart will light up to tell them you know, how many of that item to put in the various locations on the cart. So they may have some software in the back end that's, Coordinating these picks and aggregating them based on what has been ordered, so that mm-hmm. your pickers are going to you know one location where they can fill multiple parts of a single order. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way that you know probably the majority of our customers are doing that with picking carts, where they are actually you know using these devices on the carts to direct the picker where to place things. When people mm-hmm. have to light. I think the second biggest model is where we're actually doing traditional pick-to-like where they have these devices in every location Mm -hmm. in their warehouse. And so when they scan, for example, a pick ticket, all the devices light up and say, okay, take three from here, take two from here, take five from here, and they put them together, and then they ship them that way. Now, a lot of cases, you know, if a customer has 10,000 locations for inventory, you know deploying a technology like this can be really daunting but if you think about it it's the old Pareto law where you know 20% of your inventory is getting 80% of the action mm-hmm. and so if you only deploy this in 20% of your inventory slots it's a lot cheaper and also one of the things that we do do is we support arrows in all different directions so sometimes what customers will do if they're doing a traditional pick-to-light they'll use arrows to point in different directions to tell the picker you know uh, which way to go of course the other thing that companies are facing one of the problems that they're facing right now is that they're hiring pickers that are not experienced in their warehouse there's a lot of mobility in the picking you know employment market and so you know you may have a guy that comes in he's only been there a week and you're giving him some product ID or some aisle number, and, and you're expecting him to go and find stuff instantly. Right.
0: You want to so reduce human error. error. Essentially, you're reducing human error. You're making sure that someone who's ordering via an e-commerce platform actually gets their good. And That's right. And, you know, it's
1: really important because, you know, it used to be in the old days, you take a pallet and ship it to a distributor, let's say, of your product. And, you know, if you made a mistake or something, well, that distributor is going to send it back and get a different palette or whatever. Today's environment, you know, if you take, let's say you're shipping out an expensive camera, for example. Let's say you ship out a a $2,000 camera to a guy that ordered a $200 camera. Well, you're not going to get the product back and you're not going to get a complaint. But on the other hand, if you ship a $200 camera to a customer that ordered a $2,000 camera, Well, now you're going to get a black eye in your reviews, and you know. So, dealing with you know an e-commerce type of model is is quite a challenge for a lot of these uh, customers of ours, and and adapting to that sort of model and competing with Amazon is quite a challenge for them.
0: So, Trevor, let's talk a little bit about uh, your actual implementation. If someone says, "I want to work with Voodoo Robotics," a how I, I imagine this is all API driven, and there's an you all you integrate with various different softwares. And I also imagine that you have an app for each customer. How easy is it to to a integrate and get the app for someone? As you say, you know every user is going to keep. There's going to be so much churn in a warehouse. How easy is it to get the app? And thirdly, I I'd really like to know how much this costs because. I'm sure anyone who's listening is thinking, wow, you know, I don't have to go directly to picking device automatically, but I can essentially use this picked light. This could be a lower friction entry point. But can you just give us a bit more information on those three data points? I think most people are uh, probably thinking and asking right now.
1: Sure. So I think... You know, to answer your question about integration, it's actually very, very simple to integrate with our product, and we try to make it as easy as possible. We've actually got some very good feedback from some early customers now where they've really congratulated us on the ease of integration, on how fast they were able to integrate. Of course, you know, putting these devices into an existing warehouse with a traditional pick to light, you had to, you know, do wiring and all sorts of crazy stuff. Costs a lot of money to integrate, you know, a traditional pictolite system. Ours is completely different in that it's wireless. That's a huge advantage for us. If you think about the different pieces of our architecture, we we explain it to people as a three-tiered architecture. We have a server that's generally in the cloud. We run our own big server on the Amazon cloud, although a customer can purchase their own server for their own warehouse if they, if they need that. For some of the higher-end end customers, they may want their own server. But it, the, the first tier of the architecture is the server that we run in the cloud. The second tier I can actually show you here. I have one right here. This is our turbo device. And this is essentially a router. These you put throughout your warehouse. And these are the devices that actually talk to our devices so the turbo essentially on the one side connects to our server and on the other side connects to the devices so that's how the ra- the, the routing of the information works and of course these turbos are very very easy to integrate you can hang them just about anywhere the range is you know up to about 75 feet or so normally what we tell customers try to have two turbos that are covering the area where your pickers are You don't have to register your devices with each turbo. The devices move from turbo to turbo. And the turbo, when it starts up, you know, you just connect it to either your Wi-Fi network or the preferred method is Ethernet. Mm -hmm. And it just boots up. It looks just like a regular PC. It asks for, you know, it does a DHCP request for an IP address. So it's very, very easy to integrate this sort of system now.
0: It does look a bit like a broadband uh, device, I have to say.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, and, and, you know, from the perspective of the user, you know, essentially you're making a web request, it's IoT, so you're making a web request, if you're a programmer, you're probably using, you know, our REST API, we have a beautiful REST API with great documentation, you know, we can, in fact, help you, introduce you to other programmers if you need access to some uh, programming help, I know a lot of IT teams are really stretched you know in in what they're doing so we can really help with that on the other hand you know we've got you know that sort of level of integration all the way down to you know using an excel spreadsheet we have some demo excel spreadsheets where you can actually scan a barcode directly into your excel spreadsheet and from within excel you can actually make the api calls we've already written the code for you Mm -hmm. and actually light up the devices directly so you know, we've had all sorts of customers use these devices in all sorts of different ways. We've got a lot of demo code now on our website in all different languages. And actually, our new our newest offering on our local server actually allows you to upload in the form of a spreadsheet all of your pick lists mm-hmm. directly into our software, whatever format you currently have, your pick lists. So very, very easy integration. And then, you know... You were talking about the app that a picker may use. They can use their cell phone. They can do barcode scanning with their cell phone. Even you can you can you can buy you know dedicated scanners if you want, but it's not a requirement. We really are trying to make a tool, as I said, that's very very easy for customers to integrate into their existing operations.
0: And uh, on the cost side, so your customers at the moment uh, can you describe who they look like what they look like and what prices uh, i mean roughly how many they tend to order it's you don't have to go into the specifics of the cost of each device but how many would they are they likely to order
1: yeah so i mean we have some customers that you know like have 100 devices you know it's sort of (laughs) pathetic but you know that's sort of on the low end and then on the high end you know we have customers with thousands of devices Mm -hmm. you know and it really depends on their type of operation you know some customers are pushing the same inventory over and over and over and other customers have a wide variety and diverse inventory Mm -hmm. so obviously you know the bigger deployments are more costly you know, we do, we do offer quantity discounts, obviously, on, a dev- on our devices. But, so, for example, you know, these, we have classic devices here. This is our older device, mm-hmm. which you can see behind me over here. These devices, we actually offer a lease program in the United States for customers where they can actually lease the, these devices. It comes out to about $5 a month per Great. device. So it really, and it scales up and scales down. Maybe they want to add a bunch of devices for the Christmas season and then send them back in January, February, that kind of thing.
0: With the leasing model, do you partner with a fintech to make this happen or how does it work?
1: <clears throat> we just, you know, uh, issue invoices on a quarterly basis mm-hmm. is what we typically do with a customer. And, uh, you know, if they order more devices or fewer devices, we'll adjust their their bill every quarter essentially.
0: Clearly, I'm getting very uh, nerdy about the actually how you make the payment. But let's switch over a little bit to, you know, if you are, let's say you have this infrastructure, it seems very much integrated. If you need to update the software, does it happen automatically like a computer or do you have to press a button? Can you just give us a bit of an understanding of that? And then afterwards, it'll be really interesting to understand how you work with other devices within a warehouse or other robots. Uh, Just to paint a picture for those other robotics companies, but also those who are really managing very large warehouses out there.
1: Certainly. So the key thing in that we're building a platform, we really are giving the customer the, the ability to control their own destiny. You know, you can paint these devices with your own number of, you know, SKU number. Like, you know, if you've got a seven-digit SKU number or an eight-digit SKU number, I don't care because you can use the same device and you really have control over the device. So if you change your operations, for example, you have control and you can go in and make the change to your software or your, you know, spreadsheets that you're using to make the change on the device. So to that degree, you know, in in many, many cases, a customer rolls out his own changes to the device. Now, there are cases where, you know, we find, you know, a a small bug here or there. And this is where we have the benefit of an IoT model is that we can actually roll out those changes dynamically. The other day, a customer was saying to me that he he didn't really understand a couple of the columns in our reports on our uh, server on the cloud he said that the names were kind of kind of confusing and you know what i took the time that day and i went and i added some explanation at the bottom of the table and i rolled out a change right there and then you know and this is what's really changed i think a lot of the warehouses and manufacturing operations haven't really realized how far technology has come we have continuous integration cycles now where we can roll out software immediately even with the turbos i can actually uh, remotely roll out new versions of the software on the turbo now on the on the actual devices themselves occasionally we hope that it doesn't happen that, that often but occasionally we do find a bug in our devices and we roll out a new version of the firmware in that case we don't actually do this over the air so to speak directly but we do have a program at voodoo robotics you can anytime you want you can return a device to voodoo and we will upgrade it to the latest firmware for free. so there's no issue there we also offer refurbishment you know programs and things like that Mm -hmm. on devices so do you
0: work with other robotics companies to all come together
1: we have integrated with quite a few partners, including SVT, of course, and you know they will, in some cases, actually attach our devices to a robot, and the devices can you know offer signaling and instructions to a picker that's next to the robot or something like that. There are a lot of really strange integrations that we have as well. We've got a customer that has actually put these devices on his forklifts, for example, and so... The forklift operator will get instructions on the device, tells him where to go to next, you know, to get his load and things like that. There are a lot of really weird and esoteric ways in which people are using these devices. And really, I encourage your viewers to think creatively. I mean, I've given you some examples here. Perhaps I've left out kidding. Kidding is also a really good example of how to use these devices. But really, it's up to you. You know, you've got the ability to paint this display Anywhere in your warehouse at a moment, you, you could even issue the calls from across the world. Light these things up. So it really is a revolutionary technology.
0: What are you saying about creativity? Is so interesting. Uh, the fact of the matter is, if you cannot deploy DigiSki today and make it so seamless for your customer, then essentially customers are going to drop out or they're going to go somewhere else. And I guess let's pivot to the current context. Are your partners seeing and Facing certain challenges, given the inability to meet in person, at least in Europe and other places, lockdowns happening again, and yeah. cases are likely to to emerge during this cold period. What is it? What does it mean for your business, and how are you having to change for your customers?
1: Yeah. So this is a very good question, and I it. Unfortunately, it's actually been very good for our business. I, you know, COVID has been a challenge for everybody, but I think that in the terms of our customers, there are a lot of customers that are trying to limit the number of people in the same area at the same time. And so you know that comes down to pickers as well. They're trying to get away with fewer pickers to do more work. And as I said earlier, this device really does make your, your pickers more efficient in that they can find inventory faster. And you might land up, you know, using fewer pickers, or you can take those pickers that you would ordinarily use for finding inventory and use them in another way within your operations that, that you know, can allow you to expand in other directions. So, you know, but yeah, it has been a challenge for us operationally. You know, we have been actually very, very strict. You know, we actually dropped out of Modex. We were not able to attend Modex. We were one of the first com- companies to say that we we wouldn't be able to attend. It, you know, we don't like to do business through the Internet. We'd love to go to every customer and to talk to them and to, you know, have them hold our devices and to play with them. And, and you know, I mean, I, whenever you are selling to customers, it's great to have a, a person to person relationship with people. But to the extent that, you know, technology has empowered these sorts of forums that we're using now with Zoom and, and uh, you know, Google Meets we use a lot we are able to connect quite well with customers and we do occasionally you know we'll, we will go out to customer if if really required you know to view their operations or to to help them with an install
0: well trevor i guess my last question to you is what are you excited about uh in the next six to twelve months and how are you going to use this time as a, a positive for your business and what are you what are you looking forward to
1: well, I think we've got, you know, we just came out with our local server option, which, you know, there are some customers that for one reason or another, maybe they're military customers and they don't want data going in and out of their internet uh, connection about their picking, or maybe they've got a, in their, they're in a remote area and the internet goes down frequently, something like that, or, you know, even customers that want to absolutely minimize the latency of our devices. You know, if you, if you want the, if you want to exclude the latency of making a call to Amazon and back, you know, you can actually deploy a local server. So we've come out with this local server option for those customers and we've had an incredible feedback from a lot of customers, some of them very large actually, about deploying servers in their operations. I really look forward to, you know, that product and the evolution of that product, as I, as I said earlier, it's continuous integration. So we're adding features all the time to that, that technology and that product. And then we also have a new version of our Turbo coming out, which uses Power over Ethernet, which is a very important technology when you're deploying Turbo through your warehouse. So that product is on the horizon. We're working on that now. You know, this Christmas season, I think, is going to be a real measure of our business. In a lot of cases, we've already taken orders for the Christmas season and, and delivered a lot of assistance for the Christmas season. But I think, you know, it it is going to be an interesting challenge for us, you know, getting through this Christmas. I hope, please God, you know, next Christmas we won't be dealing with COVID mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, things will be a, a lot more personable. But so that's what I'm, you know, sort of anticipating and looking forward to in the next few months.
0: Luckily for everyone in the industry, people are adapting to e-commerce, you know, our mothers are, well, anyone who really didn't imagine ordering online today is ordering online. So I trust that your business will be booming uh, for a long period. As, with that in mind, just want to say thank you so much, Trevor for all your time. And it's been a great pleasure to learn about your your business and Voodoo robotics, which again, is so catchy. <laughs> so thank you very much and have a great day.
1: See, thanks very much for your time and we really appreciate it. We'll talk again soon.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and let us know what you liked. To follow along with future episodes, be sure to subscribe in the podcast platform of your choice or head over to automatingthechain.com for the latest updates. Until next time!